Welcome to Only Trying to Help, the podcast where we try to help you be helpful to other people. My name is Dr. Kate Watson, and I have a great guest with us here today, uh, someone new, someone you haven't heard from before. I know we're always excited when we have repeat guests, but we have a brand new guest today. I'm joined by Lindsay, and Lindsay, I just want to turn it over to you to introduce yourself. Okay. Hi, my name is Lindsay Garnell. I am currently a first year master's of social work student at Westchester University. And I've had several years professional and personal experience working with dementia patients, not only in a professional setting, but my personal life as well as my dad passed away from dementia last year. And I'm excited to share my knowledge on how to work and communicate with those who have dementia today. Yeah, you know, I I want the audience to know that this is why I asked you on. I, I, I don't know that many people who would describe themselves as experts in this area. And I thought, you know, I do know a lot of folks who have loved ones who are experiencing um, difficulty aging, memory loss, and potentially something like dementia. It's a really tough thing to go through. And I'll bet our listeners on the podcast have often wondered how can I really be there for my loved one or my friend or my family member who's going through this so what are some of the things that come to mind for you Lindsay when you think about like trying to help a person who is starting down a path of memory loss and dementia what do you think let's see um when they're first getting experiencing those symptoms It's important, I feel like, to realize that a lot of normal aging can actually appear like dementia symptoms at first, like a lot of like short term memory loss and just memory loss in general, like forgetfulness, like, oh, I left my keys or I don't know where I put them or, oh, what was that person's name again? All of those things can really appear like normal aging, but also appear like dementia. So it's really important to just understand the differences between that. So I, what I'm gathering is that you're saying it can be tough to differentiate between normal memory loss that we're all bound to experience from time to time and something that might be more concerning. So on the one hand, you're, you're kind of telling us like, please don't be alarmed if you're having some pretty normal memory loss. That's just part of life. And on the other hand, I think you're also saying, be on the lookout for some things that you might have just dismissed as like, oh, that's just normal aging. Sometimes it's not. Yes, exactly. And I feel like it's really important to understand the differences because normal like aging related memory loss is um, an experience that needs to be treated a little bit differently than working with those who have dementia because dementia is a progressive disease that has no cure so as time moves along it gets more and more intense and 
it can be a lot harder to communicate, especially in the later stages of dementia. In the later stages of dementia, a lot of folks, they'll experience some of them I've seen with hallucinations, a lot of personality changes. I've had people become violent when they've never been violent in a day in their lives. And then it just suddenly, unfortunately, that's just how it can be with the disease. So you want to really just be able to take extra care and when interacting with those folks. So let's start out with some don'ts, because I feel like it's so easy to really engage in some of these. Like one of them is it's because of their their cognition is not at the level as it used to be. Some people sadly forget how to like spell, how to count, like just basic things, things that we take for granted. So people tend to like treat them almost like children, but they're not children. Again, like a lot of their cognition may feel that way, but they are not. And what I see all too often is people will use like baby voices, like, hi, how are you doing? Come over here. Treat them like you would anyone else. Yeah, I, I think what I'm taking away is the first don't on your list is don't be condescending. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Also, another don't is don't yell at them. It can be so easy to be feel frustrated on the inside. Like, for example, I know with my former residents and my dad, sometimes just trying to feed them or take them to the bathroom, it can be a really difficult task. Sometimes I'll be like, well, why do you want me to do this or anything like that when you're just trying to take care of them? And then it can feel frustrating. Like, you may just want to yell, but it's important that you don't yell because that makes it a lot worse. Yeah, I... I think I think what you're touching on here is a big one. Um, that, of course, it makes sense that a lot of people would get frustrated if you are giving so much of yourself to help a person. You are showing up for them. You are feeding them, bathing them, taking them to the bathroom. It can be really hard to, I'm sure, feel at times unappreciated or like you're being pushed away. And I couldn't blame anyone who maybe feels tempted to yell at a person who has dementia in that moment. I can't blame them for being tempted to do that. However, your point is really important here, Lindsay, is that it's really only making things worse. Now, here's what I wanna say. I'll bet a lot of people know that in their heads, like, okay, yelling at my aging parent is not really helping right now. And yet we, we get kind of caught up in the moment, don't we? Oh, absolutely. And it's it's just, it's hard because it's so easy to do. Like I've, like I said, I've seen it before. Like no one, none of the caregivers I've met ever mean to when it happens. It's just, you're dealing, they're dealing with a lot of stress and they're dealing with burnout, compassion, fatigue, all of those things together can make it really, really difficult. I mean, some tips I would recommend are practicing like meditation, um, just keeping a little journal and just keeping track of what you say, when you say it, how you say it, your feelings in that moment. And then whenever you notice, maybe and also noticing like the physical signs, like if you're feeling like tense, your chest is like all tight. If you feel like you get like your heart pounding or like stressful breathing, like almost like hyperventilating, then maybe it's time to see what you can do to take a minute, excuse yourself, maybe use the bathroom, just try to breathe in, breathe out, splash some cold water on your face, 
just to get yourself back in that level level headed moment, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is where your experience really comes in, Lindsay, that you have worked with folks who have dementia um, professionally, and you have personal experience with, with someone very close to you in your family, and your experience is coming out now that you know these aren't just quick little moments of frustration that will come up. This is stuff that really lives in our bodies and you will feel your heart rate go up. You will feel your stomach in knots. And what you're sharing with us is so insightful. The idea that if you can notice your physical sensations, um, these can be really important clues about like a path that you're heading down of frustration and anger and potentially yelling and making things worse. Um, so just to recap, you've gone through a couple of don'ts. Don't be condescending. Don't yell. Um, and I think you've started to talk about a few do's, things like take good care of yourself. Maybe it's mindfulness. Maybe it's a journal. Maybe it's deep breaths. Uh, what else would you like to share with us? So for some more do's, especially with folks with dementia, now, I feel like it's a tendency to want to speak loudly because especially a lot of folks with dementia being older of eight, being older, a lot of them tend to have hearing problems as well. But actually, one of the best ways to communicate instead of raising your voice is to be use simple words, be clear, be direct. So try not to add like fluff, you know, what I mean, if that makes sense. Oh, my gosh, that makes sense. <laughs> That makes a lot of sense, um, and this is a tip that is useful in, in cross-cultural situations as well, when maybe there's a language barrier. I find that sometimes people just add a lot of fluff and then don't understand why they're not understood, uh, but simple words. And also, I'm sure, hand gestures, like, um, like pointing to the TV and saying TV now is probably better than being across the room screaming do you want to put on the TV? Because I don't know if you want to put on the TV. And is this really the time for the TV? Or are you trying to go to bed? I don't know what you want. Ugh. Much better to gesture toward the TV and with simple words say TV now. Um, and so oh, it's just such a great skill to practice, right? I mean, Lindsay, do you think that's something that maybe people just need some practice with? Oh, absolutely. Just try to speak as best you can. It's not easy. Just direct to the point. Also, something I found is visuals, like like you've said with gestures, visuals are very helpful as well. And like reminders, like I know with my dad, one thing that helped a lot was having a lot of post-it notes all over. They were all over the house towards the end. It was just like, make sure you do this. This is going to be our routine for the day. Because I feel like that gets into another point. That routine is extremely helpful. That structure, that routine. So they know what to expect when is incredibly helpful. Especially with the memory loss. Like one of the first things that goes is like your short-term memory loss. So having that reminder of this is what we're going to do now. This is what we're going to do next. I feel like that keeps the caregivers and the people working with those who have dementia calm and also those who have dementia calmer as well because they know what to expect and when. Yeah, I, I actually really appreciate that point because I could imagine some caregivers, let's imagine it's, uh, you know, uh, a woman is, is taking care of her aging father who now is having signs and symptoms of dementia. I can imagine her 
saying, well, yeah, a routine would be nice, but what's the point? He's not going to remember it anyway. What's the point? This is a waste of time to build a routine. And what you're saying is it's not a waste of time, that this is really useful to people. And like, let's not count them out so fast. And even if you think it's pointless, they'll never remember it, it's a total waste, it may not be. Can you speak more to that, Lindsay? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And with dementia, there's actually a unique term called sundowning, which we experience a lot working with folks who have dementia. And this is when towards the nighttime, like once it gets later, it gets darker, a lot more negative symptoms may start to come about like agitation, anxiety, sometimes like paranoia, hallucinations, but negative behaviors like that. So especially when it comes around that time of day, having a routine, just a structure, even if it's something simple, like watching a TV show or putting on some music they used to listen to, which is another another actually helpful tip is reminiscence. Reminiscence can be so useful for just helping de-escalate situations because unfortunately you can be cool as a cucumber. You can be like perfect in every way. But on their end, they might be going through some things that make it really difficult. And it may be even using clear language, even using simple terms, even being calm doesn't always help. Like I've seen a lot of residents, they can unfortunately get violent, defiant. And sometimes reminiscence therapy, where you put on some things they used to love, like an old TV show or an old song they used to listen to. I think that's cool. You know, I... I... I have heard, um, especially with music, um, I have heard, I shouldn't say heard, I have witnessed um, going to visit a loved one in a skilled nursing facility who had dementia. And this loved one didn't recognize any of us, didn't know who we were, didn't know our names, but could sing all the words to a song that was that came out, you know, 40 years ago. And for a moment, I remember taking offense to that. Like, oh, you remember the song, but you don't remember me? <laughs> for a moment, you know, it was a fleeting moment of like, am I not important enough? But what I've come to understand, and this is where I said I, I've heard, I've, I've heard that actually music seems to be very powerful for people. And I believe I've read that it's one of the last things that people lose, if they lose it at all, when they are going through memory loss. Yeah. But nonverbal behaviors are also really helpful to look for, especially towards the end when their communication may go. Or I've known, I've seen a lot of residents I've worked with who develop like a word salad where it can be really difficult to understand what they're trying to tell you. But a lot of times nonverbals speak a lot. They tell you a lot. Obviously, like if someone's crying, something's wrong, something's upset. If Maybe they keep getting up to go to the bathroom. Sometimes that could be like a repetitive behavior, but sometimes it could mean there's a, there's a problem going on there. Just in general, just like watching out. Yeah, you know, I think um, I think it can be really helpful. This is related to what you're saying. It, it might sound unrelated for a second, but it's related. I think um, for everyday people out there who might be listening, and and as a reminder, Lindsay. A lot of the people listening are not social workers. They are not therapists. They are just everyday people who have big hearts and want to care for others. I think it can be a helpful reminder to them that behaviors are not the same thing as 
thoughts and thoughts are not the same thing as feelings and behaviors and thoughts and feelings often don't match the things that we say. So there can be a mismatch among what we're thinking, what we're feeling, what we're doing and what we're saying. Um, and, and I think everyday people have a tough time with that. But uh, if I'm coming back to your point that a person might get up 15 times and say something that makes no sense at all. And you're thinking what you just said, like, you know, you're going to go check on the penguins outside makes no sense at all. But their behavior of getting up over and over and over again might mean something else. It might mean they have to go to the bathroom. It might mean the chair is really hurting them in some way. And so paying attention to behaviors, even if they don't necessarily match what the person is saying or the, the, the things that they seem to be feeling, there could be a mismatch. And another example I'll have, I'll bet this will resonate with you, sometimes people will, again, say something that maybe doesn't make sense, but it's matching an emotion that they're having that we can pick up on. So the example I'll give is, let's imagine you're in a skilled nursing facility and a resident says, I want to go visit my family who live upstairs. Well, there is no family who lives upstairs, so that's not a real thing. It may be tempting to want to argue with this person and say, you don't have family upstairs, or it might be tempting to correct them. It's really not the point, though. The point isn't whether they do or do not have family upstairs. You might be able to say back to that person, your family's on your mind right now, and you'd like to spend time with people who you care about. And that's kind of the point. Whether they're upstairs or downstairs or nowhere is sort of besides the point. The point is the resident is trying to say, I want to spend time with people who I love. And that maybe we can pick up on. What do you think about that? 100% agree with you. I've seen in a lot of residents that actually they'll call out for their parents or loved ones who have been deceased for many, many years, but they just still want to have that sense of feeling nurtured, feeling cared for and calling out for their parents. It's one of our most basic instincts. And so that's what they do. And even though like, I mean, their parents are deceased, it just shows though that they still just want to feel cared for, feel nurtured. So it, it absolutely makes sense. They just want to spend time with someone and feel loved. Yeah. Yeah. And and that may be one example and there may be others. Maybe somebody says, you know, there's a monster in the closet. Well, there's no monster in the closet. But rather than correcting the person or arguing with them, we might say something like, you feel uneasy right now um, because that feeling is true. Whether there is or isn't a monster in the closet doesn't matter. Their feeling is I'm scared. And so we can pick up on, okay, I, I get a sense for how you're feeling right now. Let me see if I can comfort you or provide some sense of safety because you're feeling uneasy. It, but we don't have to fight with them over, no, look, see, there's no one in the closet. The argument is kind of besides the point. And I think that could be a really helpful tip for a lot of people who are listening, that maybe you have a loved one who is going through memory loss, whether it's normal aging memory loss or dementia signs, um, that you might be tempted to correct them. No, it's not this, it's that. No, it's not up, it's down. No, it's not five, it's four. And you could correct them, I guess, but like, to what end? 
you know, where are we going with all those corrections? Maybe you could get the gist of what the person is trying to communicate and validate the meaning of it without the details of it. Yeah, no, like, like I keep saying, I completely agree with you. You bring up a lot of great points to add to this discussion. And exactly. I mean, with correcting, it doesn't really help at all. Maybe in the earlier stages, but in the later stages, you want to enter where they're coming from. You want to see their perspective, their point of view. And that's how you can really get to being able to support them, comfort them, and provide them the care that they need and deserve. I mean, I've been there both professionally and personally. And caregiving, I can truly say, is one of the most, if honestly not the, the most difficult job in the entire world. It is extremely difficult and it, it can drain you. It's very physically demanding, emotionally demanding, financially demanding. It's hard. Lindsay, thank you for doing this. I think this will be so helpful to people all around who are just kind of feeling bogged down with the heaviness of, of watching someone go through dementia. Um, is there anything that you didn't get to say that you'd really like to say? Um, yeah, I mean... Yeah, first of all, just thank you for having me on here. I mean, dementia and advocating for those who have dementia, it, it's a really strong passion. I just really appreciate just having, of getting to, you know, be with you on your platform and just getting that platform to share what I care about and what means a lot to me. And overall, like, I mean, that's that's what I aspire to do. I'm in my master's program. I'm in the gerontology certificate program as well. And that's my goal, just to be able to, be able to help provide care and treatment and support for those with dementia and caregivers so I can treat them with the dignity, respect, and compassion they deserve.